Wealth can be measured in many ways. As it grows, life can quickly become complex, creating the need for more focused planning. Welcome to We're Talking Money with OmniStar Financial Group. OmniStar has been helping clients achieve financial success for more than 20 years in a client-centric and stress-free environment. With a reputation built on a long track record of working with people who want to grow and protect their assets, OmniStar illuminates the blind spots and provides actionable strategies to help you achieve what's most important. This is where you can count on straightforward and unbiased advice from a team of professionals that are passionate about your success. Welcome to another edition of We Are Talking Money. I'm Phil Clark, and it's great to have you with us. This is our second podcast dedicated to COVID-19, otherwise known as coronavirus. Renewed fears drag stock prices down last Friday and again on Monday, February 24th. The Dow Jones Industrial Average closed down more than 1,000 points, and without a doubt, there was a lot of panic selling going on throughout the day. The rising coronavirus fears are likely resulting from significant new outbreaks in Italy, South Korea, Iran. Uh, The political rhetoric from Bernie Sanders over the past weekend likely added fuel to some of this selling. Uh, particularly in health insurance stocks. Uh, Many of you know Senator Sanders won the Democratic primary in Nevada on Saturday, and he was describing his Medicare for All policy, uh, calling for essentially the elimination of private insurance. A lot of things going on that are driving the news, and we all know that the media sells on fear, and they have a lot of ammunition at this point. So let's dig in and and talk through what this coronavirus might mean and, and how it's progressing. Stock staged a pretty impressive rebound from initial coronavirus fears, but concerns about the global economy are starting to compound this issue. So as the virus spreads to many countries and continents, we're seeing a, uh, a renewal of these fears, and, uh, and I think the renewal is, is coming with a bit of a vengeance. Companies ranging from uh, well-known names like Apple, Ralph Lauren, Procter & Gamble, All of these uh, have cautioned that upcoming earnings are going to be impacted by slowed retail sales and supply chain disruptions. These companies are proof that the effects of coronavirus are moving beyond the more obvious travel-related industries like airlines and cruise ships. The classic risk-off response that we saw a number of weeks ago was, was pretty modest, but we said in our first podcast that no one has a crystal ball when it comes to pandemics or epidemics. Just like then, we have a world filled with emotion, and emotion is driving much of what we're seeing in the moment. I think it's important to consider two behavioral emotions. First is confirmation bias, and second is known as the herding bias. The confirmation bias is simple. We make decisions based on information that reinforces what we believe or what we want to be true. The herding bias, on the other hand, first is just like it sounds, we tend to follow the herd regardless of where and why it's moving. It doesn't really matter where it's going. Once the herd starts moving, fear of being left behind tends to drive our decisions, and we tend to follow even if it doesn't fit our situation. Over the last several weeks, the leading question is whether the economic and profit impact of coronavirus will be more than a one-quarter event. What we know so far is emerging market equities, airlines, oil prices, all of those have continued to cool since uh, Chinese officials confirmed the virus was something that could spread person to person and very easily and quickly. Now, the not-so-obvious companies 
meaning other sectors here, are beginning to feel the effects of supply chain disruptions, slowing retail sales, and other things. Even with this recent bout of selling, however, stocks remain near record highs. On the other hand, gold and bonds, commodities, these asset classes are suggesting increased fear and perhaps a more sluggish period of economic activity, and chances are that will continue over the next few months. Ultimately, we expect the virus impact to take the path of other major outbreaks. Uh, That is a short duration impact. Lest we forget the Fed's low interest rate policy and rebounding corporate profits, in our opinion, continue to offer a pretty sound long-term backdrop for stocks. Let's look at the S&P 500 for a minute. Of the 437 companies that have announced their fourth quarter earnings, it is our understanding that 71% of those companies have exceeded the consensus above the long-term average of 65%. Basically, if the current trajectory holds, the final result versus expectations will be among the strongest of 2019. Giving a little more confirmation to stable economic conditions, the Empire State Manufacturing Index rose sharply to 12.9 in February. That was up from 4.8 the prior month. Housing starts uh, looks like they're remaining strong, and new home permits rose about 9% in January. Rising home permits, higher consumer confidence, uh, reduced unemployment applications, and higher stock prices. It is unlikely that we are headed for an extended sell-off when you think about all of those elements and the fact that those elements are occurring at the same time. However, I should mention that the producer's manufacturing index fell to 49.4 in February. Uh, Most of us know anything below 50 is said to indicate contraction in our economy. For the first time, we've seen this number below 50 in about four years. There's no question that coronavirus is starting to impact several industries, and that likely will not change uh, in the next few weeks. We expect the economic damage from coronavirus to be moderate and mostly contained. Uh, In our opinion, this means the economic rebound is not being derailed. Rather, it is more akin to a delay. From our view, additional disruptions to global economic growth will occur in the next few months, especially as it relates to manufacturing and trade. But keeping this in perspective, I think it's important that we recognize we're talking about a change in global GDP of a modest 0.2 to, say, 0.3%. This is insignificant in the grand scheme of things. You should also be aware the most severe damage remains in the Chinese economy. According to Reuters, analysts expect the outbreak to cause significant damage to China's growth in the first quarter. In fact, it won't just affect it. It's expected that they will be flat to potentially negative in their first quarter reports. It's going to hinder their global trade for months to come. There is no way around that. Europe is uh, maybe the second uh, most affected They're feeling some pretty significant effects, and that's because they're mostly an export-oriented economy. Now, finding a silver lining in all this chaos and distress seems improbable. But let's consider a few things. From our perspective, all these economic worries have driven bond yields to near-record lows. Um, In fact, 10-year yields have landed at 1.38%, and if nothing else, yields at these levels are almost with certainty going to delay any possible shifts to tighter monetary conditions. Uh, Central banks around the globe remain extremely accommodative despite resilience in the service and consumer sectors. You know, in our first 
coronavirus podcast, we shared a number of things gleaned from other global disease epidemics. You may recall what we found was quite encouraging. Economic growth and markets have historically responded with a V-shaped pattern. Our research showed that initial reactions tend to include a slowing of consumer spending and a rebound that happens almost as rapidly as the downturn. Pent-up demand eventually helps fuel the rebound. And history tells us that recoveries are typically led by retail and manufacturing sectors. Now, it's safe to say that reduced flow of people and goods due to travel restrictions and quarantine measures that seem to be increasing are already affecting demand in the short term. And I believe that trend is likely to continue for the next few months. Similarly to the 03 SARS epidemic, the fear of slower global growth is plausible, but we firmly believe this is transitory. Coronavirus is a serious threat with the potential to create catastrophic results. There is no questioning that, and I think everyone understands that that catastrophes are never planned, but they happen. As with any outbreak, however, gauging the impact is going to take time. We're just not there at this point, and there's more that will be learned. The severity of this outbreak is definitely going to bring significant consequences. But according to Johns Hopkins research, we're beginning to see what might be a slowing of new cases and a rapid growth of recoveries. That's not to say we're out of the woods, but the virus is being hit with vigilance from all corners, and the results seem to be positive. We're not going to let this thing continue without giving it our best shot, and I think the experts are doing just that. So, I want to say a special thanks to all of the scientists and the medical professionals that are involved in trying to to contain this thing, not to mention all the volunteers and and agencies and resources that are working hard to make sure that, that our global population is safe. From our perspective, we remain more optimistic about the longer term growth prospects and more and more investors and consumers seem to be echoing this sentiment. Uh, Most seem to believe that central banks will remain accommodative, which will help us avoid recession, despite coronavirus-related risks. Of course, there's always the chance that we could be overly complacent and confident. At this stage, the sell-off is not overly concerning, and we would not be surprised to see additional volatility and more corrective selling. Still, we don't see any near-term catalysts that would cause something as severe as a, a recession or even an end to the equity bull market. So what's the bottom line? We see global growth edging higher this year, given easier financial conditions, a break in global trade tensions, and generally positive economic data. 2020 kicked off with an encouraging start, but predicting a virus would be impossible, and the markets, well, they were priced to perfection. So why is everyone so edgy and disappointed? Corrective selling is a natural part of investing. Nevertheless, emotions get the best of most people, and we quickly forget about long-term strategies, and and we focus on every minute as opposed to months or years. The coronavirus outbreak has reached more than 80,000 confirmed cases and some 2,700 deaths. Conversely, total recoveries have risen to nearly 28,000 as of this podcast. Though transitory, Outbreaks such as this creates downside risks to our optimistic outlook for continued growth. For the near term, we believe U.S. Treasuries are severely overvalued, thus keeping interest rates lower. And for the most part, that's a good thing. For longer-term investors, on the other hand, we feel that opportunities are presented when stock prices decline. Market declines should not be considered a universal endorsement to buy. Rather, it's an opportunity to look for companies with strong balance sheets, those capable of sustaining during recessionary periods, and those that can deliver solid performance and dividends. We're in an interesting time, and I think the challenges are going to continue in the near term. 
So it makes sense to be prepared and to know what you're going to do, but more importantly, why you're going to do it. What does this mean for Omnistar strategies? Basically, when anxiety increases, so too does implied volatility. We see this as potential opportunity. In fact, this provides an opportunity to deploy sidelined assets, adjust our strike prices in uh, our option strategies, and monitor our strategic allocations. There's a number of opportunities that are presented in the markets, no matter what the conditions are above the surface. What it does not mean for our firm is knee-jerk reactions. It's keeping emotions at bay, and it's making sure that we allow volatility to be our friend. And that can happen as long as emotional behaviors are kept at bay. One thing we do know from recent trading history, every time the VIX or the volatility index has doubled, since around 2012, buying opportunities were created. Until our next podcast, remember, stay calm, and try to avoid emotional impulses that may not be justified. Impetuous decisions based on the media's passion for selling fear is just not a strategy. And we hope you will avoid the confirmation and hurt emotions because that psychological change in the way someone invests is also not a strategy. We'll see you next time on We Are Talking Money. Thanks for joining us on We Are Talking Money. Be sure to visit our website, www.omnistarfinancial.com, where you can learn more about how we provide value to our clients. Subscribe to the show and our newsletters, and drop us a line with suggestions for upcoming shows. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or simply tell a friend about the show. This podcast is a publication of Omnistar Financial Group. Any information provided has been prepared from sources believed to be reliable, but its accuracy is not guaranteed, does not represent all available data necessary for making business or investment decisions, and is for informational purposes only and does not represent or constitute any recommendations. All expressions of opinion reflect that of the authors and are subject to change. If this podcast contains any projections, forecasts, guarantees, and or predictions of any kind, you're required to ignore the same. Omnistar is not engaged in the practice of law or accounting, and any information in this podcast should not be construed legal or tax advice. Any distributions, use, or copying of this podcast, other than the intended recipients, is unauthorized.